This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast put out by Cornerstone Church. I'm Mark Vance, lead pastor of Cornerstone Church. I am joined today by Kendra Gustafson. Kendra is the associate director of Salt Company, one of my really dear friends. I worked with Kendra for years, so she's sick of me. And uh, we're really excited to have you here today, Kendra. Here's the kind of, I'm going to set the topic up and I'm going to throw you a question. We just recently did uh, one of these podcast episodes on some of the unique challenges for married couples in this kind of coronavirus moment. And one of the realizations that I have is everything I think about with how I'm experiencing this moment is seen through the frame of reference of the life I'm living. So. I'm thinking, oh, everybody, man, you're going home and your kids are surrounding you and you're super stressed out by having to get digital school put together and your kids are watching too much Netflix and whatever else. Like all of the way I'm thinking about this moment is seen through the set of eyes and lenses that I have. But you have a different experience as a single adult working from home, experiencing the coronavirus on the other side of that. And I just think it might be really helpful for us to unpack what are some of the unique struggles, but also opportunities that that perspective of thriving in singleness in the middle of the coronavirus, like how do you do that? And so that's kind of the conversation I want here, here today to have with you. So talk to me a little bit about some of the, I don't know if you want to call it the myth or the miss that might come from thinking, well, everybody's got their kids at home and you just miss some things. Yeah. Uh, so I think the same is true for a single person uh, and the same is true for a person who's in whatever life stage that they're like single. Um, the stage of life that I'm in uh, is also unique from other single people, maybe even. And so I think one of the things that we are facing right now is that everyone does actually receive the trial of COVID-19 and what it, what it introduces to our lives in a unique way. And inside of the Christian community, we have an opportunity to use this to grow in empathy and grow in our unity together as a church, or what an opportunity that we would uh, have to create silos and to actually create more misunderstanding and judgment towards people who are either unlike us, are in a different stage of life than us, or whatever the circumstances would be. And so I think... uh, just to acknowledge, uh, yeah, I also understand I'm in a stage of life that's not universal to the world and to the church. And so I do see things from um, a, a limited perspective, and that's been apparent to me. You know, we were talking about this a little, and you mentioned the, what is it, the meme? Is that what they call the, the uh-huh. illustration? Uh-huh. Where it has like the picture of your experience of the coronavirus, and you have the single person who is like, doing yoga and it's like the best life you've ever had. It's so great. And then on the other side, it's like this mom at home covered in like puke and food and it's just nasty. And it was like this contrast and that's funny, but it's also like radically not true. If you believe, Oh, that's actually what's really happening. Like single people are having the Mm -hmm. best time ever. Coronavirus is incredible. So talk to me about, I don't know what you want to call it. The myth of the meme that you see there? What's wrong with that picture? Yeah, I think the meme is funny, but when it's like 
when it's actually believed inside of a community, uh, it, it can be hurtful because single people don't necessarily have more time and freedom and flexibility right now than they might have had before, even though there are, there could be less added to their play or something. I don't know. Like, so for me, for example, um, uh, coronavirus and working at home as a single adult hasn't meant for more free time. It's actually meant for less. I have way less free time than I used to have. And the, the demands of my job actually are higher and it takes a lot more energy to do what I used to do uh, in inside of my job. And so I'm having even greater challenges of like protecting some of my nights and weekends. It's It's harder for me right now to have healthy boundaries between my work and my free time. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's it, one of those, I don't know what, it, what you call it. It's like a contradiction. I, sometimes as parents are like, I can never get away from these crazy kids. They're just all up in my business, but because they demand your attention, they force you to shift gears. So like, I don't, my dog does this thing, Kendra. It's really funny. So I'll be on the computer typing away. And if he needs to go outside, he just comes up at my elbows that are typing and just starts headbutting my elbows until I quit typing, leave the computer and walk outside. And I get annoyed and I'm like, Spurgeon, I'm going to put you to sleep. Stop it. You know? And so, and if you say it in a nice tone, dogs don't understand the English language. So they just feel like you're doing it delightfully. So I like doing that. I see mean things to him. I'm like, oh, Spurgeon, we ate your guts. You're so great, you know, but that's neither here nor there. Here's the point I was making. Spurgeon, he intrudes on my life as a dog with no apologies. And he forces me to take a break from work. I have no option but to pay attention to this animal because he's in front of me. My kids do the same thing at nights. I don't have the option to just stay in work mode. 24 hours a day. I cannot do that because they provide a barrier, right? And so I can only imagine now that you're working from home where the barrier at least used to be, I go to the office. Now it's gone. There's just no barrier. Right. So what once was a challenge is an even greater challenge. I think Uh, I have had to practice even more discipline and self-leadership. So one of the interesting things about singleness is it does demand a lot of self-leadership to do things that you 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 should do and that are healthy for you. And you have to be in community. So, and you have to take a lot of the steps to move towards people. You have to eat healthy, exercise, sleep, go to bed, not watch certain stuff, watch certain stuff. And, and no one is is observing oftentimes in a way that helps you self-manage, you have to do the work of that. And so one thing that I found that has been um, both a challenge, but also an opportunity right now is that it's causing me to take a lot more ownership of my health. Like I understand, and I'm trying to see the challenge in front of me that I will be in a place one month from now that's directly related to the habits and the the discipline and the care that I put into my normal mundane life right now. So when I make decisions to work a certain amount or watch certain stuff or whatever, whatever the thing would be, um, it is leading me somewhere and it's affecting how I feel and how I operate and 
Um, so I need to receive that not as a, a burden that just leads to self-pity and, uh, you know, just as a negative thing, but actually receive it as it's something that I just need to do right now. And it doesn't matter you know, what other I, people are having to do or not. I just need to take ownership of my own health and my own path. There's a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom even just inside the, the thought right now of thinking the person I will be a month from now will be directly linked to the product of the habits I cultivate in my daily life right now. And that's true for single people. That's true for married people. We all have an opportunity in crisis to cultivate positive or negative habits, things that cultivate godliness or move us away from it. Now, okay, I want to press in on a couple specific questions for you because one of the things you highlighted that a lot of single folks are feeling is one, uh, I'm going to highlight the negatives of social isolation and actually an odd draining sort of overwork in the digital world. So talk to me, let's start with the, the social isolation question briefly of like, you talked about having to pursue community intentionally. How do you do that right now as a single adult? What are some of the healthy practices that you're trying to have right now to cultivate that? Just being honest with myself about what I actually need and taking ownership and doing that. It means that I do a lot more pursuing right now because I can't expect somebody else to, to read and be able to understand and sympathize and see, see what needs that I have. So it, it means that I should and will like take ownership of what I do need in community. So when it comes to making phone calls, even just like communicating through text way more, oh my gosh, my screen time when it comes to text messages and group time is like through the roof. And I think that's probably a good thing right now that I shouldn't feel guilty about because it is a primary form of communication. In, in terms of community, it also forces me to rethink some of the boxes that I put community in. And so yep. there's some, yep. some uh, relationships, my roommates, for example, um, that were not in the same exact like stage of life, but here I am. These are the people that I actually live with. Um, and so I actually need to kind of erase some of those. Well, but they're this much younger than me or, but they're, it doesn't matter. Like I'm actually going to choose. Have to, you started playing board games yet, Kendra? We have game night and it's incredible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we, what, what's the latest we board meals game? meals together. <laughs> um, so I'm hilarious. trying to help them grow in their competitive spirits and they're dragging. They're <laughs> right. dragging. They're not rising to the occasion. <laughs> yeah. They're just giving so, up in Settlers of Catan. Yeah. You got all the irons. Like whatever. I'm Seriously. Out. Come on, guys. Uh, but we're working on it. We eat meals together all the time and we, you know, do things around the house that we weren't in the, in the rhythm of doing because it's important to just look around us and ask like, not what could be better, what should be, what are we bummed about, but who actually is in my sphere or in my circle or whatever. And just saying yes to, to what that means. Okay. So Let's shift and talk a little about working from home. 
because even on our director team at Cornerstone, you've shared even just helpful things you guys have done with Salt Company staff, which is now all working remotely and working from home, that were just really wise and kind of godly frames of reference for how you go about that. Um, what are what are a few of those best practices? They may not just be related to the single adult, but like particularly speaking, you've been finding this pretty helpful. The biggest decision that I made that helped me initially was creating a space that I actually like, uh, that feels and can communicate to my body and my mind that, that I'm in work mode. And so having a space that I don't hate, um, that I go to and do the majority of my work in that space. Um, so I definitely bought a new desk because I didn't like my old desk and I wanted to enjoy my space because I knew I'd be sitting at it so much. Uh, and so the desk that I've had since college got the boots in the garage. Um, so that's like a small thing that we've tried to encourage our, our salt company staff is physically your body will communicate something to you mentally and emotionally about the mode in, of operation that you're in. So totally bought glue light, blue light glasses because I'm okay, looking at those screen things all the time and it's so tired. Do those things work? I, I have no clue if they work. Not oh, a clue. I thought about wearing sunglasses <laughs> on all my calls. Making people feel weird. All I know is that my left eye starts twitching about eleven o'clock, <laughs> oh, and I no. have to figure out how to how to figure fix this. Oh, uh, so yeah, a space. The other thing that I've been doing that was difficult there for a week is uh, I, I go on a walk every day. So I don't wonder if I'm going to or wait for the weather to be the. But I have to get outside either over my lunch hour or it's what signifies like my work day is over. Period get out of the house, go for a walk, um, and come back. Do you set like one thing I've tried to do is, um, set even just boundary zones. Like I found some people were, if you're not in like a, uh, you know, eight to five where your schedule is defined, you do this and this and this and this, many people need to do more calendar scheduling right now, not less. The freedom communicates, Oh, I can just do whatever. But if you don't have an, so I started telling people set an appointment for like reading hour here, meeting hour, lunch hour, and fill your schedule. Even if it looks artificial, it's helpful to move from one thing to another. That's been helpful even for our kids at home is they have reading hour, they have math hour, and they have writing and literacy hour, and they have play with the dog hour, and they have do everything that our dad tells us. That's like eight hours. It's like all the time. <laughs> but um, just scheduling yeah. became more important in the time of freedom counterintuitively. Yep, 100%. I would say that's definitely been true of me too. So I want to do one more topic, Kendra, that you have some unique perspective on, not just of some of the opportunity and struggle as a single adult, but because of your battle with cancer, which, praise God, is good right now. And he's you know, healed you and just done incredible work in your life. There's an ongoing risk factor though, that the coronavirus presents. Like it was interesting to me. We, we watched the same press conference uh, where the president, they were first unveiling the, you know, presidential guidelines. And they mentioned, here's like a list of people who are at risk, people who've had this and this, and, and they named 
your type of cancer in that list. Yeah. Her example was, was like saying, uh, Dr. Burke said, you might think, not think you're at risk, but even if you're in your early thirties and you've just had immunosuppress, for example, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I am in my early thirties and I, three years ago was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma period. <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's what I received from the Osborne's that day. Yeah, is, exactly. Yeah. Just dread because yeah. I had in my mind the picture of everybody who is at risk looks like my grandma. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was like, Oh no, this looks like one of my best friends. Oh mm-hmm. man hold on. I got, I need to back up here. And so I want you to talk about just what do you feel like being, having this, I don't know what you call it, like a weird label right now of I'm an at risk person. So everybody else is starting to push for, we need to open society back up. Like, how do you feel in this moment, Kendra? It reminds me regularly uh, that I, other people don't understand and I can't expect other people to understand, but I know a God who does actually understand. And so when we talk about lament as a church, um, what, where that concept of lament is hitting me right now is that I'm carrying personal burdens um, that, that nobody else can and should and need to carry with me. And it's doing something in my relationship with Jesus because he does understand and he actually can meet me and help give me encouragement and guidance and wisdom. And so there's a hundred decisions that I know I will have to make or fears that I actually am living with that uh, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what decisions are unwise or wise or and I can go one day and be one way and one the other day and I'm completely <laughs> like I, the ups and downs are just so distinct right now in how I actually feel uh, being, you know, called at, in an at-risk category. And so it has definitely done something in my relationship with Jesus to help me understand and submit to suffering. Suffering is is saying, Jesus, I'm willing to walk with you and let you meet me in a way uh, that's personal and it's between us uh, that other people can't understand or know. And so uh, it's helped me think through my expectations for other people and how I understand and sympathize and empathize with other people. Uh, Cause I know we're all, we're all facing tons of questions about what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And there's not great, uh, simple, yeah. clean, clear answers. Are you nervous about, like returning to public gathering things at Cornerstone. How did, like, I think most people are like, oh, we need to get back together as soon as possible. How does that feel from your vantage point? Yeah, I am. I am definitely nervous. Uh, I mean, even I do all my grocery shopping online. So I do a Walmart pickup once a week. And the last week, you know, the classic toilet paper drama right now, we're like, yeah, we absolutely. were legitimately almost out of time. <laughs> So got my mask, went into Walmart and it's hard to describe. Like, I just feel like this boogeyman's like following me and like, I can't touch, like, I don't want to be in Walmart right now, but I got about toilet paper. So, uh, I, 
it's not that I feel like Cornerstone's, you know, Walmart, but I think it's, it can be hard for some people to understand if you're not personally at risk, uh, why other people might make decisions or feel compelled to act in a certain way. Like, I don't want to give you a hug. And so I need that to not be personal to you. Or uh, I don't, I don't want to use a public restroom or uh, I don't, I don't want to be close. (laughs) Uh, And it's not personal. It's like that I'm carrying a certain collection of fears and baggage right now that uh, is unique to me. And I understand that for myself. And so I can't expect other people to live in the world that I live in, but the same somewhat has to be true of other people that there's, there's empathy towards just what's different than you. You know, I think that's probably a good place for us to land um, in some ways, Kendra. Right now, I, I have two kind of, as I draw back, reflect on the conversation highlights from it. Um, one of the first ones is we all have unique burdens that we need to take to Jesus. We all, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And what's amazing about that is he says, all of you who are weary and heavy, heavy laden. He doesn't name the burden you're bearing that you can come to him with. And then there's a set of burdens you bear that you can't. Well, those people yeah. don't come. He says, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, you come to me. Single adult, married with kids, grandparent who so misses their family. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, you take the burden you have to Jesus and he meets you there. But the second side of that is for all of us, we need this moment to grow us in our ability to empathize, to model Jesus who says, think not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. And so even what you share helps me to see a different perspective and seeing with those new eyes helps me to grow in godly empathy and in that way to become like Jesus, even in the pain of the moment. So Kendra, I appreciate you. appreciate the conversation today. And I think there are probably some just points of wisdom in general that God will use in the lives, whatever stage you're in, married or a single adult. We, we want to use this time where the coronavirus is exposing all of us to actually submit to Christ and grow in godliness. So Kendra, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate you. Thanks.